Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Listen to God's word. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. And you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So last week, uh, we concluded a five-week sermon series called The God and the Bleachers. And the idea behind the sermon series was that the better we understand God, the better we're we're going to understand ourselves because we were made in the image of God. And we learned three things about ourselves. One, we learned that we're loved no matter what. Two, we learned that we have a place to belong right here in Christ Church. Three, we learned that we have purpose in this life. We are loved We belong, we have purpose. We are loved, we belong, we have purpose. This is our identity. We find it over and over and over again in the story of Scripture given to us from God. We are loved, we belong, we have purpose. Now, the problem is, I don't know about you, but I don't always live like I am loved, I belong, and I have purpose. Is this the kind of church that could say amen? Yeah, yeah. I don't always live that way. And when we talk about living in a way other than what God intended, that puts us squarely in the theological realm called sin. Now, here's the thing about sin. Uh, and this is not a beat you down sermon. I promise. I promise. We're going to talk about sin, but it's not, a, it's not a beat you down sermon. This is a set you free sermon. I promise. Okay? So come with me. The thing about sin, the great challenge of sin, is that sin causes otherwise healthy relationships to be unhealthy. Sin causes otherwise healthy relationships to be unhealthy. How does that happen? Well, in the New Testament, there are two ways the Bible talks about sin. The most common way the Bible talks about sin is by using the word hetima. Hamartia, I'm sorry. Hamartia, the next one's hetima. It's hamartia. And hamartia means to miss the mark. So the idea is that God has given us a path that we're supposed to walk down, and hamartia is to step off of that path, okay? Uh, Or the most common metaphor that people use for sin is to talk about um, a bullseye, that God has established this bullseye, this thing that we're supposed to aim at in our lives, that we're supposed to be loved and loving, we're supposed to belong and, and offer belonging, we're supposed to have purpose and live into it. God has established the bullseye, but we don't always hit the bullseye. And still today, in archery terms, The distance between the center of the bullseye and where the arrow actually lands is called the sin. It means to miss the mark. And the most common reason that we have a tendency to find ourselves guilty of hamartia, the most common reason for missing the mark is because we lose sight. We misunderstand or we deny our identity that we are loved, we belong, and we have purpose. When I forget that I'm loved, I belong, and I have purpose, I have a greater tendency to step off the path. I have a greater tendency to miss that mark. Now let me just take a quick time out and tell you, there have been times in my life I knew exactly who I was, and I aimed over there instead of where Jesus was telling me to aim. Okay? It happens. But most of the time, we miss the mark, we step off the path, because we have forgotten our identity. That we are loved, that we belong, that we have purpose. 
And what that does, what it really does is it causes strain in my relationship with myself and in my relationship with God. When I forget my identity, I have problems in my relationship with myself and in my relationship with God. But this is where things get a little more interesting to me. Another word the New Testament uses for sin is the word hetima. And hetima means to withhold something. And the idea of hetima is, if you paid me for a dozen eggs and I only gave you 11 eggs, I'm guilty of hetima. I withheld something. But I'm not worried about you guys shortchanging one another eggs, right? What does it really mean? Well, what hetima really means, the way we can apply it in our lives is, if I know I am loved... But I choose not to love the people around me. I'm guilty of a team. I'm holding something back. Does that make sense? Yeah. If I know that I belong, but I choose not to help other people experience a sense of belonging. I'm guilty of a team. Listen, this happens in churches. Not here. Other churches. I watched it. I'm not going to name the church, but their pastor was about six foot four. I watched one day as a new couple came in, a brand new family. They walked in, they sat on the back row of the church. It was not this church. They sat on the back row of the church, which is prime real estate in the United Methodism. I just want you to know that right now. They sat down on the back row and I was walking up the center aisle to greet them when I saw this sweet little thing. Walk up and say to this new family, I'm sorry you're in my seat. And inside of myself, I became a ninja. (laughs) I did not actually karate chop her or drop the people's elbow on her, but I wanted to. She knew that she belonged. But she didn't help other people feel like they too belonged. Hatima. She held something back. I have purpose. If I choose not to live out that purpose, I'm holding something back from the world. Pastor Mark mentioned just a few minutes ago those yellow cards in your, your bulletin. We all have these places in our lives where, where our passions and our talents come together. And if God is calling me to do something and I don't do it, I'm guilty. It's holding back. Hamartia is to miss the mark. I forget who I am. I forget my identity. The problem with Hamartia is it causes relationships issues with myself and with my God. Hatima means to hold something back. And the problem with Hatima is Hatima causes problems in my relationships with the people around me. Do you see the common theme? Sin causes problems in our relationships. Sin causes problems. Sin makes otherwise healthy relationships unhealthy. That's the problem with sin. Sin makes otherwise healthy relationships unhealthy. It makes my relationship with myself unhealthy. My relationship with God unhealthy. It makes my relationship with the people around me unhealthy. Sin makes otherwise healthy relationships unhealthy. Now that is the most basic orthodox definition of what sin is that anybody could give you. But here's the problem. It's one thing to understand sin on an intellectual level. 
Well, you know, he talked about Hatima and Hamartia today, and so this is what sin means. And that's valuable. But I don't really think that's where Christians live and breathe and have our being. And so I want to transition very quickly. Instead of talking about how we think about sin, I want to talk with you for a minute about how sin feels. To do that, I want to suggest that all of us have a pack. We all carry one of these packs with us. And uh, and every time that we participate in, in missing the mark or we withhold something, every time we participate in sin, we add a little bit of weight to our pack. Now, some weights are heavier than other weights. That does not mean... That all sin doesn't damage relationship. All sin damages relationship. But some sin feels heavier to carry than other sin. Like, for example, I found myself caught in traffic. And I didn't do so well with it. I know that would never happen around here. Or... Somebody was sitting in my pew and I told them to move. Or I wanted to karate chop somebody who thought somebody else was sitting in their pew and told them to move. (laughs) Some sins, you know, are a little bit bigger. Like, I had an argument with my wife and she still does not know that I am right. (laughs) There's this thing about grudges, right? Uh, when, when, When we direct our energy heavily towards a past... When we say to ourselves, I can't believe what that person did to me. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. The thing about grudges, it takes a lot of energy to stay angry at people, doesn't it? It's almost like it's a weight we carry. Um, or, I heard this thing about Mark Montgomery. (laughs) And I just had to tell you. Here's the problem with gossip. Our relationships are built on trust. They are. We don't have trust. We can't have meaningful relationship. And the problem with gossip is that gossip undermines the trust. And so it, it diminishes our ability to have strong relationships. But not only that, if I participate in a pattern of diminishing the, the relationship trust I have around with other people, then I start to get paranoid and start to think, what are other people saying about me? And it feels like a weight. Maybe it's a little bit bigger. Maybe I cheated on my test. Maybe it's even bigger than that. Maybe I find myself addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, food. I went to see my new doctor a couple weeks ago. He said, you need to lose weight. That'll be Montgomery says that to me every day. He doesn't charge me $140. (laughs) Find ourselves mastered by something other than ourselves. It's a weight. But then there are those big ones. 
I mean the really big ones. Like, I promised her I was going to be faithful my whole life. But I wasn't. I should have been there for my children when they were growing up. But I wasn't. And over time, the weight adds up. And at first we think to ourselves, man, I can handle this. I'm strong. But over time, the weight gets heavier. Over time, even when I encounter small little challenges in my life, they feel insurmountable. Because it'd be the easiest thing in the world to walk up a hill. But not when you're carrying all these stones. You see, God made relationships for us. God made relationships to help us navigate the blessings and the challenges of our lives. Yet being in real relationship with the people around me when I am weighed down, it's almost impossible. I wrote in a newsletter article this month that uh, when, when I was 19 or 20 years old, I was a, an intern at a youth camp in Florida. And we had this, we had this kid in our group and he was always last. Like, always last. He was last to get out of the bathroom. He was last to get to dinner. He was just, he was last. He was, he was always last. So anyway, one day we were canoeing down the Alafaya River in Tampa, Florida, which has a lot of alligators in it. And in retrospect, it was probably a stupid idea to take a bunch of 12-year-old boys down a river with alligators in it. But we did. And we stopped occasionally to let them swim, which was even a dumber idea, but we did it. And then there's one place along the river where there's a zip line that goes across the river. You know what a zip line is? It's this thing you hold on to and you, you literally you zip across something. Wouldn't you know it? We're running late. Everybody gets to the zip line. And who's last? This one little boy. And to add, add difficulty to the moment... The harness malfunctioned. So the idea is you hold on to the zip line, but if you actually let go, the harness catches you. And my partner who was across the river putting people in the harness and, and sending them across to me, he said, the harness isn't working right. And I said, man, we're going to be late for dinner. And so my partner sent him across the river. It was only a four-foot drop. That was 20 years ago. I still hear here in my head, I can still hear his bone breaking when he hit his leg on the ground. 
There are moments I wake up in a cold sweat with that memory in my brain. And I would guess I'm not the only one that feels that way. I would guess that most of us have those kinds of moments. Moments when we treated other people like objects. Moments when we betrayed somebody's trust. Moments we should have been there, but we weren't there. And every one of those moments acts like a weight. And over time, it weighs us down to the point that we can barely breathe, let alone function. I love the way that Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. It's so visceral the way he says it. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of death? I love that because there have been moments in my life way down that I have felt that same way. And what comes next is hope. Wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? And we Christians, we're always a people of hope. And the next line is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, in our scripture passage this morning, he said, come to me. Those of you who are weary, those of you who are burdened, come to me. And I will give you rest. That's the most basic understanding of the cross of Jesus Christ. That Jesus gives us rest on the cross. That we come to Christ transfixed, overwhelmed by the burdens. And Jesus takes our denial of our own personal identity found in Christ. He takes our mistakes He takes our willful disobedience. He takes the decisions that haunt us. He takes them. He takes all of them. And He gives us a second chance. Come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus Christ came to this earth because humanity was in great distress. He came to set us free. He came because there are people here in this room who still forget that they are the beautiful and beloved children of God. There are people in this room who believe they'll never find a place to belong. There are people in this room who are so terrified of reaching out and fulfilling their purpose. There may be some folks in this room who have been carrying their stones for generations. Today is your Independence Day. There may be some people in this room who have never asked for a second chance from Jesus Christ. Today is your We all carry stones. We all do. Messed up relationships. Mistakes and failures. We all carry them. That's why when you came in this morning, you were given a stone. In just a few minutes, 
I'm going to invite you to come up here and pray. And I want you to bring your stone with you when you do. That moment, that weight, that habit, that situation that's been weighing you down, bring it. And when you leave this sacred space, I challenge you to leave that stone at the foot of the cross. But here's the thing. There's a catch. Jesus Christ is willing to take the weight that incapacitates our relationships and that holds us back in life. Jesus is willing to do those things. He is willing to do that. But if we lay something at the foot of the cross, if we put it on the shoulders of Christ, if we give it to the one who cares for us, we can't take it back. St. Augustine, the early church father, he said it this way. He said, you made us for yourselves, O God. You made us for yourself, O God. And our hearts will never find rest until they rest in you. So in just a moment, the ushers are going to come forward after I pray. They're going to release you the same way that we we do communion. And I want to invite you to bring your stones. No matter how small they are. Or how big they are. Let me remind you one more time of the words of your Savior. He said, Come. Come to me, those of you who are weary. Come to me, those of you who are burdened. And I will give you rest. Let us pray. Gracious God, for all those moments in our lives, for those those moments of desperation and sorrow and fear and sadness, those moments that we would give anything to take back, we would ask for a do-over time and time again. The weight of that moment We ask today that you would set us free. That you would give us a second chance. We invite you into this space. And we ask that we would have the courage to lay our stones at the foot of the cross. And then to leave them there. In the hands of the only one who can give us rest. These things we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and always for the sake of his kingdom. Amen. Amen. I invite the ushers to come forward. Know that you are welcome in this place to come, but leave your stones here.
all that weight at the foot of the cross. We don't do this a lot in the United Methodist Church. Maybe we should do it more, I don't know. There's something special about the space and kneeling with these, our brothers and sisters, and rising as those who have been set free. Just last, last thought. It's interesting to me how many times we can be afraid of setting our burdens down. They can come to define us. I want to invite you not to miss this moment. As you are able, would you please rise for the benediction?